Men's Alliance is a growing movement of tribes meeting weekly for a rugged outdoor workout and a real-world devotion around a fire. We're flipping tires, swinging sledgehammers, talking about real struggles, and getting pushed physically and spiritually to become the husbands, fathers, and leaders God designed us to be. We'll get you out of isolation, out of your comfort zone, and into something tribal, rugged, and real. Welcome to the Men's Alliance podcast. I'm Dave Mills Goose. This is Dusty Parker's shadow. And got an awesome guest with us today that I'm really excited about. Uh, Tom Love is here, and we're going to be talking about finances. We're finally having a Money Talk podcast. So, Tom, welcome. Good to have you here. We're excited to talk about so much and obviously, already we need to have you back again because we're not going to cover this all in one one shot. But before we dive into talking about money, got a couple quick announcements. Really excited about Keel Tribe. Love the name. Keel Tribe is starting in Shippensburg, Pennsylvania, this Saturday, and that's part of uh, Shippensburg First Church of God. If you live in Shippensburg, PA area, check out Keel Tribe. And that's as I record this. So by the time you hear this, they're already rolling, right? But they're going to be Saturday mornings at 7, Shippensburg First Church of God. So uh, thanks to Mike Rhodes for spearheading that and leading that tribe there. Then I've got my absolute favorite announcement that I just am so excited about. We are starting this fall, November 10th, 11th, mark your calendar, November 10th, 11th, is Men's Alliance Start the Fire Weekend. Yeah. And let me tell you who this is for. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, but you don't live near a tribe, this event is for you. If you love the message of MA, wish you were in a tribe, love what you're here, um, uh, but you're just not near one, you are who we have designed this event for. So in one weekend, you're going to come here and you're going to earn your call sign and your challenge coin for men's alliance. Um, and you'll walk away from here with a guaranteed slot in an upcoming patch class. So it's going to be an incredible event, getting you immersed in men's alliance in a weekend full of flipping tires and swinging sledgehammers. We're going to teach you how to lead, how to serve, how to give the gospel. It might be the most life-changing weekend of your life, honestly. So check out the website, the registration will be up November 10th, 11th. The event is going to cost $250, which is really a steal uh, for what you're going to get from this weekend. So really excited about offering that to you guys. Men's Alliance, start the fire weekend, November 10th, 11th. Go to our website, mensalliancetribe.com to learn more about that. All right. Tom Love. All right, Tom, you got so many letters by your name <laughs> you got cfp all right i knew that one certified financial planner crpc tell us what that is chartered retirement planning counselor retirement planner and you are a senior vice president and partner with the main street group correct yes sir but the let's do the fun stuff first uh how did you hear about men's alliance and tell us about your involvement in your tribe yeah good question steve radabaugh 
Shout out to him. Big Panda. That's right. So he's an elder at Hope Church and he invited me to come out. I've been to two sessions so far and really just loved it. Um, when I heard the creed at the first time I went, the Holy Spirit just said, man, you got to you gotta dive in on this. This is really, really good. And uh, so I, I knew it from then on that I need to do more. And I reached out to you guys and said, hey, you know, I want to sponsor this. And you're like, well, we, how do we sponsor? I don't know. I don't even know. And so it was kind yeah. of fun to to just go at it from that perspective. But I think it's just an example of how God is using money to, to bless other people and bring other people closer to him. And I just continue to try to do that however I can. Man, that's awesome. So this is cool. Uh, you don't have a call sign yet. No, I don't. So you are close. You've been twice. Potentially uh, tomorrow. So we'll see. Tomorrow morning will be number three at yes. Tuckahoe Tribe. That's right. With Big Panda. That's awesome what God is doing there. Love how God uses us to reach another guy. And then he uses that guy to reach another guy. Right. And yeah. then it comes full circle. Um, I just think about Sensei and then Big Panda and now yep. you sitting here for the podcast. It's awesome. Well, I also say just at church, you know, it's a really easy ask for me. I think a lot of men want to work out and they want to get involved in other ways. At Hope Church, we had a men's event only a few months ago and it was, I think there was 185 men that showed up. Wow. And, you know, small groups, it was four hours on a Saturday. So, you know, Hope has a great men's community in general. And so I'm just excited to see this, you know, explode and when it gets on the, uh, when more people get involved. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. So tell us just a little bit about um, what does uh, the Main Street Group do? Yes. What do you do? Investment management. Yeah. Uh, I manage over, over $250 million of assets and our firm uh, does a lot more than that. And uh, we also do financial planning. So I think those two go hand in hand. Uh, I don't charge separately for financial planning. I'm a fee only advisor. So if you know about our industry, that means that I'm not getting paid commissions on any products, which is kind of what people like. That way, you know, when I'm talking to you, that I'm not trying to pitch you on a certain thing. It's, yep. you know, I'm on the same team as you. If your accounts go up, I get paid more. If they go down, I get paid less. Um, so we're, we're managing people and their, their financial plans. And I would say my favorite thing is helping to encourage people to do what God has for them to do. And, and I think many of us, money can be an obstacle to that. And, and we say, well, I'd love to do that, but I, I just can't. And so I think it, it helps to look in a financial plan and see if that's actually the case. Maybe it is, but maybe it's not. Cool. And so there's a lot of people that I've helped to be entrepreneurs that I've helped to, you know, retire before they thought or, or do nonprofit, do ministry work. And, and I think one of the cool things for me that happened a few years ago was, you know, that, that basically God said to me, you know what, when you're financially free, you're going to keep working and you're going to continue to give to other people because what you're doing is ministry, helping people with money. So you don't need to go and work at a church to do that. Your work is good. And then also how much more can you give when you don't actually need to make any money anymore? Mm. And so, you know, I'm just excited. And so my five-year goal is to give a million dollars in a year. Wow. So that's, so, you know, I used to make goals on how much I'm going to make. Now I'm yeah. making goals on how, how much I can give. So I'm excited for that. Holy smokes, man. I want to talk more about that. Yeah. That is a cool idea, but I got to ask you first, a very, very ignorant question. Explain to me, what is a fiduciary? That's me. You're talking to me. <laughs> no, yeah, I know it's you, it, but what right? does that mean? Right. It means that I'm legally bound to do what's in the best interest of my clients. 
So it's the, okay. so if I don't do what's in the best interest, I can be sued personally for whatever it is. Right. So it's there's, pretty intense. There's your call sign. Dude. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> uh, veto. That's, yeah. That'll be like one that gets used on the veto. Well, it'd be yeah, interesting to see. You don't want me at your call sign ceremony. <laughs> so, but, but, so you're doing stuff in the best interest of your clients, but I'm going to guess that every financial planner says they're doing stuff in the best interest of their client. So I'm wondering, is there like some sort of like uh, specific standard or criteria that you have to have or, or whatever to be able to call yourself? So you got to have fiduciary? a license. It's called a series 65. Okay. So it's a that. license, but, but here's the, what's so tricky and why I say fee only before, because it differentiates from other advisors that may not always be acting as a fiduciary. So if they're selling commission product, they don't have to be a fiduciary. And so they're actually wearing two hats at once where gotcha. sometimes they're selling products. Sometimes they're giving you advice in your best interest. And so, so they could say they're a fiduciary, but then when you're having a conversation with them in their office, all of a sudden they recommend this, this mutual they like, fund and to you. You don't know if, why they're recommending that. Probably one. not a mutual fund, but something okay. that's another commission product, something along the lines of an annuity is more common. Um, maybe a structured note. I don't know. There's various things, but that I think is, is where, it gets a little murky. And and part of it is, I'm not saying that those products are bad. It just makes it a little bit messier. And I think that part of what the industry is, has happened, because I've been an advisor for 16 years. So part of what's evolved over time is, is the industry moving in that direction to try to help build that confidence and trust in people as they're talking to, to folks. And uh, so I think that helps for sure. Awesome. So, uh, you know, I'm imagining we've got a few listeners that are probably right now thinking like, why are they talking about money? Mm. Why is this guy talking about money? Um, so first off, let's talk about um, what does God have to say about money? Yeah, well, that's that's my first reaction when you said that is, well, because God talks about it. So, you know, G, you know Tim Keller, who just passed away recently, uh, but but he, he estimated that Jesus talked about money 10 to 20 times more than anything else. So... Wow. He just used it in his parables often. I think the Pharisees were obsessed with money and power. And so this is a topic that he was really big on. And in those days, you know, there's so much scripture about money. And, I, and I'll just give you one. And I'm going to misquote it per, uh, on, on purpose because mm -hmm. it gets misquoted a lot. Pop quiz. Yeah, pop quiz right here. So see if you can catch that. Money is the root of all kinds of evil. <laughs> So that'll be quoted. What did love, I leave out the there? Love of money. The love. Yeah, right? that's so, how it's always quoted in movies. Right. You know, yep. money is the root of all evil. Yep. And, you know, for, for us as as a group of men, men in many cases are our, our duty is to protect and provide. We we don't we're not at war right now. So, you know, part of that protecting and providing is is money. And I think for our community especially, it's you know, money is one of those isolating things. You can't go up to someone and say, How much money do you make? What's in your 401k? You know, just like you can't talk about in many cases, mental health or other other things that are just still sort of that that third rail. And so I think it's important to talk about and, you know, just have a good understanding what God says about it. And I think the reason that I had that quote of the love of money is because that's basically what Jesus says is what is your relationship with money? And mm -hmm. so a really good litmus test that he uses is can you give it away? Yeah. Right. So if you can't give it away, then it's the boss of you. It's mm -hmm. the highest thing. And so I, I know for me, when I was younger, if someone asked me to give them money, I'm like, dude, I earned this. I'm not giving you anything. Like, get out of here. I need to pay my bills. I don't have money to do that. So, you know, 
no, like get out of here. I, I don't like that. But that was part of, it was the highest thing for me. And that is what our culture is about. Money is the biggest thing. And so I think part of our duty as Christians is to try to fight that and say, no, we are going to, we are going to make sure that money's not the highest thing that God is. Yeah. Um, I had to look this verse up because I didn't know its reference. I knew the verse, but it's Matthew six twenty one. This is one of my favorites. Um, NIV says where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've experienced this. Most tribesmen have probably experienced this. Like we go through those times, like you were just saying, where we're, we're not giving our money away. We're highly protective of it. Right. But then you start to realize like God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart, Mm -hmm. but he knows that wherever your money goes, your heart follows it. That's right. Right. And so, you know, a good exercise that's a challenging exercise I would encourage you to pray is to go back and see where it's been going. You know, when I first met my wife, it's a fun little story. She, you know, we started dating. She's like, Oh, you're an advisor, you know, look at my budget. And I'm like, no, you know, that's weird. That's too personal, you know, <laughs> but she, she encouraged me to do it. So I did. And, and I, you know, you look for those outliers. So when you're going back, go back three months and see if there's something that's, that looks a little bit out of place. And for me, for her, it was, there's these four or $500 items. And it's like, I don't what's anthropology. I didn't even know what that was, <laughs> you know? And so she was spending, I went up three months. It was $6,000 on clothes. Are you going to get in trouble for this right now? No, I've told this before. Okay. She knows. This is one of my stories <laughs> at the uh, financial peace classes that I do. And, but it was, you know, she starts crying and she's like, you know, she had no idea. So part of it is just, it, it's a, it's a, a biblical thing to go back and look and say, God, how have I messed up? You know, the Lord's prayer you know, please forgive me of my sins. Mm-hmm. You know, what am I doing with my money? How is it, is that reflecting who I am and who I want to be? And, you know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but try, and then you try to move forward and say, okay, I'm going to ask God to forgive me of this yeah. and see where it is. So like, why, why was that happening? And so a few years later, we walk into anthropology and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm behind her cause I'm following her around like most guys in the store. Right. Yeah. And she stops. And she just leaves the store. And I'm like, what's oh. going on? Like, where's my wife? And she's like, I don't need anything right now. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? You know, I didn't think that was part of how it worked here. You know, like yeah. what's going on? So, you know, I, I think that's a really good exercise for, for men is just to say, okay, where is it going? Where do I want it to go? Is there a difference there? You know, and, you know, just 100% agree with you about the uh, the biblical aspects of this. And now for the practical aspects of this as well, right? So I do relationship coaching mm. and the number one cause of divorce money is money. Yep. Number two is sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's interesting how much I never, I never thought I was going to be talking so much about money to couples. Right. But it, it comes up so often because it's such a, a source of arguments. Yep. A lot of times they argue about money and, um, you know, I think I got this from Andy Stanley years ago. He says, you know, if you're talking about money and you're using words like it seems like, and I feel like, I feel like you're spending too much and it mm-hmm. seems like you're, you spent too much stuff. It was like, that means you don't really know. Correct. And and the cool thing about money is it can be a hundred percent known. Mm-hmm. You can literally know how much is coming in. <laughs> How much is going out and where is it going? Like you were saying, when you tracked, 
and found it was anthropology. But the thing that I'm just used to be blown away with, I'm not so much anymore, but is how many people don't know. They don't know. They don't know what's coming in or where it's going. And I use this in my business a lot, so you might appreciate this, but even Jesus' own brothers didn't believe him until he rose from the dead. And so I think, especially in a marriage, it's helpful to have outside sources, you know, someone from not your hometown that you can see and hear from. And so even if that spouse is saying something that's good, if you, as the counselor says the exact same thing, they're listening in a different way. And so I think that's a really important thing for, for uh, marriage. And part of what we do as advisors is help kind of be the third party to say, which one is quote unquote, right or wrong. And then a lot of times they'll move forward in that way. So I would encourage in a marriage, you might be telling your spouse all the great stuff, but you know, you really may need a third party. And, and I think that's where Dave Ramsey's program really is, is powerful because he does such a good job at convincing people to change. And that's a really hard thing to do, you know, yeah. changing your habits. Cause when you look at that money, those are, that's your lifestyle. That's what you're used to doing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's eating out. Most, a lot of people I know for us, that that's a very expensive piece mm-hmm. that you have a fair amount of, you know, ability to change. That's one of your variables. That's right. Yeah. So, so you're a Ramsey guy. Yes, sir. You're like the certified financial piece. Yeah. So there's five in Richmond. I'm one of them. I've been a a Ramsey advisor for seven years now. So many fans throughout the Richmond area I've, I've served and, and they're amazing. So they, they are generally, you know, they've gone through the system. They've, they're kind of getting to me when they're in baby step four, which is they're starting to invest and save, but they have these principles in mind. So I'm not having to recreate the wheel and go through as much of that relationship stuff. It's more like, Hey, let's make all this stuff happen. Let's help you to retire. Let's help you to become financially free and keep working and give a ton of money away or whatever it looks like. One of the things I know that you've written about is, um, you know, I touched on money as a cause of divorce, but also money as a cause of suicide. Mm -hmm. What do you see in there? What's that, what's that statistic telling us? Well, shame. I mean, basically you've made poor decisions in the past and you feel bad about it and you don't know what to do about it. You think essentially that you're a bad person. And so it goes from this guilt and regret, which is that I did bore things to then I am a bad thing and maybe I shouldn't be around. And then if you don't have a good answer to those questions, then you think about killing yourself and you think about that long enough and you don't tell anybody about it. You're going to, it's going to happen. Like there's no way out of this. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the biggest, uh, motivators at the very beginning for men's Alliance to mm-hmm. come into existence in the first place was to, to combat this trend of middle-aged men committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you think about it, we get ourselves isolated. We got nobody to talk to. We've got this facade of pretending everything's perfect and fine. And then when money comes into it through money, you can get yourself in all kinds of trouble develop shame like you're saying lose your marriage right um so if you know well i think i um one of our early podcasts is um is called high terrain right and and it's based on this principle from flying in the air force about you've got to look at your chart and you've got to know where is the mountain that could crash and kill me yep right and then you've got to you've got to mark it highlight it right and and do everything you can to avoid it. And the thing I'm hearing today is like money is a high terrain, right? It's a mountain in our path. It it's everybody's got it. <laughs> Everybody uses it daily. Um, 
and it has incredible potential to both destroy us personally, destroy our marriage, um, or just simply, even maybe it's nothing that catastrophic, but it has the potential to sideline us from doing what God has designed us to do, right? Absolutely. It can take us out of the spiritual fight. Now, one of the things I want to ask you, uh, this, this is a note you wrote, and I think this is phenomenal. I've never heard this. This was original to me. Talk about money as it relates to the Ten Commandments. Yeah. So I think it's it's at least four of the Ten Commandments. You know, the obvious one is don't steal, you know. Um, but I, the first commandment is have no other God before me. And I think in our culture, our society, money is definitely God. And for me personally, it was. And I think part of, just to go back for a second on what you said before, my story is sacrificing everything for work in this career and in the beginning of it and, and everything pretty much going poorly. I mean, I started in 2007. So the financial crisis was the next year mm -hmm. and that went badly too. And so I became suicidal because I didn't have a good answer to that question. Mm. And so I was in a season of months of thinking about suicide in my free time more than anything else. And, you know, God helped me to get out of that, but also, you know, principles of just saying, okay, all these areas are going poorly. How do I improve those areas? How do I go hang out with people and how do I talk about it? And, and and really the turning point was telling my best friend. And that's when it really became more real. And there's an interesting study that it was, uh, they said, if you speak, if you, if you literally use your words, you're 70% more likely to use your prefrontal cortex. So you're going to use a different part of your brain. And one of the reasons that therapy and counseling works so well is that the person themselves is going to be realizing that they need to do something different as they're telling you, even yeah. if you tell them nothing. Yep. And so it's this really powerful tool and it, and it really worked for me. And I realized pretty quickly how dumb it was. And it was one of those situations where no one would have known I would have just died. And then it would have been like, what the heck happened? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I think that just sharing that is important to me, partly because my sister died from suicide years later in 2013. Oh man. And so that was a, a very traumatic, challenging situation. But you look back and you say, man, God used that to, to get me closer to him. And Many of the good things that I do today is, was the original motivation was my sister's not here anymore. I'm going to do as much as I can to try to, to make her proud, to honor her and do what I think she would have loved to have done. And it was cool because I, you know, I, part of that was kind of these whisperings that God had for me that I just kind of got busy every week. And I, and I felt like, oh, you should join a Bible. So you should do this and that, and then just never doing it because things get busy. But I'm like, man, you don't know how long you're going to live. My sister died. Like, I need to do this stuff. And so I'm in a Bible study and I'm, and I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I'm praying to God. And it was so beautiful because God said, you know how you're living for your sister and you're really trying to make her proud? That's what I want you to do for me. Yeah. You know, Jesus isn't here in the flesh, but he's here in spirit. You know, my, your sister's not here, but live for him, live for Jesus. And so it was just, it was cool that I had that like personal example of someone here that I'm living for, that, that that's the way God wants us to live too. Wow. One uh, philosophy that some people live by is uh, you can't take it with you, you know? So they apply that to their money. It's like, hey, you can't take it with you. Why save it? I'm just going to spend it and enjoy life. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you say to that? Well, it's a good question. I think that you balance that with, with Luke uh, 14, verse 28, which is that you don't build a tower lest you have the materials. 
Okay. So, so God knows that you need to, to save up, but also at the same time, trust him. So there's these, and things happening where you need to be blessing others and giving to others and, and trusting God at the same time, you should be preparing for things. And I would say this financial stress of living on the edge doesn't help you to be as good of a, a, someone who can bless others in, in lots of different ways. I think it will affect your mental health. It'll affect lots of things if you're not sure where, where things are going to come from. So, yeah. And you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Yeah. You can leave it. You know, you can, you can invest it. Yeah. You, you know, uh, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, right? Uh, that's the way we save our wealth is by investing it. I would say investing it in kingdom purposes, right? That's how you send it ahead. Yeah, that's right. So to go back to the, uh, the, the 10 commandments, let's see. Yeah. I got it here. Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, you mentioned stealing and no other gods. Yep. The Sabbath. I think that especially when you're a high performing, um, you know, business person or just someone who's working really hard in whatever way it is, you know, you, your phone is on you all the time. Maybe you're checking emails throughout the night on vacation. You're not Sabbathing. You're not taking a break from this, this phone, which is amazing, but also really can, can get us for lots of different reasons. And so I think, you know, Sabbathing is harder in our day potentially than in the past. And I think money is a motivator and we kind of say, well, you know, I'm kind of working. That's, that's why I've got this phone attached to me all the time. And I'm not as good of a dad or a husband because of that. And my wife got me uh, a few years ago, a few, few years ago during the pandemic. And it was, uh, you know, something came up. It, it was, it felt urgent and I just took off and took care of it. And she was pissed. And I was like, yeah, I need, I really need to get this email off my phone and there's nothing I can actually do with the stock market after four o'clock anyways. <laughs> so like I can handle it the next, you know, later in the evening right. or, the, or the next morning. And it's just been such a beautiful thing to not be having my work attack me throughout the day. And it just became a habit where I'm checking it all the time. And so, you know, I would just encourage men to try to have that Sabbath throughout the day, throughout the week. And, and of course on the weekend as well. Yeah. I think that's such a great point about the commandment about remember the Sabbath um, as it relates to money, yeah, money management. A lot of times we see that and we think Sunday, we think church, we think don't mow the yard, yeah. you know, like stuff like that comes to our mind, but we don't necessarily think about money. Right. And so we're going to take a, a quick break, hear a word from chief, and then we'll come back. We'll talk more with Tom about money. Has money gotten in the way of you being used by God? If your lack of financial guidance is holding you back from taking bold risks for God, then the Main Street Group can help. Contact Tom Love, call sign Doc, from Tuckahoe Tribe and Craig Hia to sharpen yourself financially. Their email is in the show notes. They will give you thoughts on what you have going on regardless of your financial situation. My wife and I use them, and I can personally tell you that their knowledge, assistance, with our personal finances, knocked our socks off. Meeting with them was a game changer. So this isn't just a paid ad. I use them personally, and I would tell you to do the same even if they weren't sponsors. Tom and Craig are fee-only fiduciaries at the Main Street Group. Tom is a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. They use Charles Schwab to manage client assets. Tom has been recognized as the number two advisor in the Richmond Times-Dispatch number one in style weekly, and a top 40 under 40 advisor in the country. 
He's also been recognized in the Wall Street Journal, Fortune, and Forbes Magazine as a top advisor in Richmond. God saved Tom physically and spiritually. He's the reason for his success. Make sure you mention Men's Alliance when you reach out, and they will invest the first year of your fees back into Men's Alliance. That's right. It's part of their mission to invest in bringing men closer to Christ through this ministry. Their office is here in Virginia, but they can serve clients all over the world. This is truly a tribesman supporting and sharpening other tribesmen. Dave Ramsey and Charles Schwab are separate entities from the Main Street Group. Past performance on investments or services doesn't guarantee future results. And if you'd like for your business to advertise on the Men's Alliance podcast, simply email us at info at mensalliancetribe.com. All right, welcome back here with uh, Shadow and Tom Love, and we're going to continue talking about money. So right before the break, you were talking about really what I would say, I would call it uh, workaholism. Yep. Right. And I'd say work addiction is it's probably the easiest to mask. It's the easiest addiction to hide. And it's also the easiest to make it look noble. It's socially acceptable. Someone says, how are you doing? I'm busy. Oh, that's good. You know, like we all like, oh yeah, that's good. It's like, no, you, you shouldn't be just not able to have, have other things besides work. Yeah. You know? And you know, a lot of guys, they're really just lying to themselves, telling themselves that they're working hard to provide for their family and give their family the best. And all these little cliches that we say, uh, really they're working to avoid being with their family and, and working through, maybe there's some difficulties, maybe there's some problems, maybe they're not getting along real well right now with their wife, but instead of like addressing that issue or that argument or that thing, they're just fleeing to the office mm. and just work, work, work and, and masking it all this work addiction under the guise of providing for their family, but really they're using it to self-medicate Yeah, because most guys, I think we feel more comfortable uh, working that's like our environment. God that's is, where we thrive. God made us to work and it's good, yeah. but we still got to rest too. That's so. right. Like that's where we fit. Right. But like, and then we think about ourselves like sitting at home, uh, talking with our wife, um, resolving conflict. Right. And we're like, oh, heck no. I'd rather go to work. Well, I mean, you know, I'm taking, I have a three, four and six year old kid and, and taking care of them is very challenging actually. But sometimes you feel like, oh, you know, this isn't as important as a multi-million dollar deal or, or some amount of money that I could be making, but you know, that's the wrong way to think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is good for my wife to hear. Cause I sit around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing well here that I'm doing the right thing by men's line. You have mastered work addiction. Yes. You've really overcome so Just look to shadow. <laughs> Say, what would shadow do? He'd be sitting on the couch watching TV. You came over to my house one time, man. <laughs> yeah. You came over to like bring something, just drop something off. Yeah. And I came to the door and I think it was, it was not late. No, it was like six, it was six yeah. or so in the evening. Yeah. And, um, and I came to the door and I was wearing like pajama yeah, pants. Pajamas. Yeah. And, um, and, me and Carrie, we were watching a we were watching a movie. And yeah, I joined you, right in. You got you gave me one of the best compliments, man. You go, you were shocked, and you go, "Wow, you really know how to rest." <laughs> <laughs> I took care. I was well, like, "You know how to spend a Saturday." I was like, "Dude, Carrie and I, 
we've come a long way. We, we weren't always yeah. like that, but we were very intentional with our Sabbathing. Yeah. Right. We're like carving out time. We're like, this is yeah. where we're going to veg. No kid activities. Carrie won't let me yeah. answer that men's Alliance email that I'm dying to answer. Well, there's uh as far as marriage is concerned as well, money, uh, marriage increases your, your wealth by three and a half to 3.8 times. So if you're just trying to make more money, like you need to have a good marriage, you need to actually devote time and energy to do that. Like financially, that's a smart move. Wow. So like you should be having Sabbath and taking her on dates and doing all the things because that's actually going to make you money. So if you, if that helps you to think about it like that, then go for it. Wow. Yeah. I've, I've heard, and I don't know the numbers like you do. I've heard that married men or married people, uh, married men make more money. Yeah. Uh, live longer and have more sex. Yep. That's right. Than single. That's true. That's awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> let's go, let's get married. Now I think that marriage is one of the keys to being successful financially. People that are living together that are not married, you can't make those longer term commitments like buying a house. If you shouldn't, if you're, if you're two people, cause what are you going to do if it doesn't work out? Someone just pieces out that covenant of a marriage staying together forever allows you to have this foundation financially that is huge. And so you really should be thinking about that well. And, you know, money is isolating. And the first person you can talk to is your spouse. Like if you, you can't talk to your buddies about how much you're making or how much you got, okay, you need to talk to your wife, like tell her what's oh, going on. Gosh, yes. And, and a lot of times their first reaction is, I don't, you're handling it. You know, I trust you. And, and that feels good. But you know, keep going because I think it's important to have someone, like I said earlier, just for you to talk is going to help you think about it better. You can't talk to anybody about it. So if you don't have an advisor, talk to your spouse and say, look, I'm, I'm trying to do this. And, and maybe you go talk and, and get some counseling from elsewhere as well. So I want to give our listeners just a couple of uh, practical pieces of advice from you on like, what's some things Let's say you're listening to this podcast, you're a Christian man, and you want to be better with your money. You want to do better with your money. Maybe you're feeling a little bit convicted, but you don't really know where to start. Now, you just gave one, right? Talk. Yep. All right. Talk to your spouse. Talk to a financial planner. Um, I totally agree. That is an amazing first step. What are some other practical pieces of advice you'd give a Christian man that just wants to do better with his money? I know this is going to sound funny, but exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you're going to be able to think more clearly. And so, it. you know, when the, the, the pandemic hit, I'm emailing all my clients and I'm telling them to exercise. And it's like, wait a second, you're a financial advisor. Why are you telling me to do that? It's like, well, first of all, you're probably not going outside enough, but if you don't work out your body, your mind doesn't think as clearly, you're much more prone to make emotional decisions. And if you look statistically, I think people over 50, 31% sold all of their assets during the pandemic, when the market dropped 35% in one month, guess what? It was already recovered four months later. So they got hold hammered. on, hold on. You got to go back and say this that again. Was a lot, yeah. I've never heard this. Which part? What percentage? So 31% of the people at Fidelity, they did a study looking yeah, back. 31% over 50 years old. Over, so over they got 50, the most money. They sold everything? Sold all their money because they were scared because of the pandemic. And the market dropped 35% in one month, which yeah. is very fast and yeah. a lot of money. And so they got scared and they sold out. And you see this uh, in hindsight, it's always easier. Sure. Like, oh yeah, of course you shouldn't have done Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the time, it is very hard. And so part of it is, hey, hey, this is actually an opportunity. You know, for we, as a financial planner, 
we've got at least five years over your withdrawals set aside more conservatively. It's not in the market. Don't worry about that. If you're a more conservative investor, maybe you should have 10 years or more. And that's the way that I talk about it with clients. So they're saying, you know, hey, Tom, I'm worried about the stock market. It's like, okay, Dave Ramsey, other people will say you need should have five years of other stuff available. So you want to have a foundation so that you're not having to worry about what's happening with the stock market each day. And I think it depends what you, your question about what you should do. You know, it really depends on on sort of where they are in this spectrum of how yeah, much money yeah. they have and everything. But for, for a lot of my clients, I would say, and, and they generally have some decent money, is that helping them not to be focused on the market every day, not not to be worried about things. And, ha- and, and they, that can be an addiction too, where they're sitting there spending multiple hours just being focused on this stuff. And the smartest investors of all time say they don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So, so why are you sitting there on the TV when they're asking everybody that same question? What's going to happen tomorrow, today? And nobody actually knows. So, so it's not it's like productive those, use those of time. shows are just like feeding anxiety. Yeah. 100%. Like, let's all just sit and talk about what ifs. Yeah. Nobody you're supposed knows. to just kind of like set it and forget it, kind of, right? Yeah. And I mean, you know, there's things you can still do for sure. And we can talk about some of those things either now or at some point in the future. But yeah, I mean, you know, set it and forget it. That's better than, than doing with all those people where they sold it all. And now they're, when are they going to do? When are they going to get back in? And it gets pretty tricky. Well, I want to ask you about the whole Dave Ramsey philosophy. Cause some people say he's kind of like dated now because he's like with the envelopes, you know, having cash in all the envelopes and not using credit cards. Cause some people have mastered the art of credit cards and making them work for them instead of against them. Yeah. And taking out loans because you know, spending the bank's money instead of your own stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that Dave Ramsey has done an amazing job at helping so many people and he's, and he's tried to make it simple so that you can just follow this plan and you will be successful. And that is still true. Yeah. Um, I think that when people get attached to what they're spending and however they can do that through envelopes or not, that helps them to realize. So what were we talking about before everyone's swiping, they're not realize what they're spending yeah. and then it just makes it more real. So I think that's true. You know, Dave Ramsey tells people to pay off their smallest debt first, even though it's not the highest interest rate. Yeah. It's funny because a few years ago, Harvard did a stu- study on this and found that he was correct. So yeah. the people that are w- paid off their debt the fastest and most likely were the people that did his process, not paying the highest interest rate first. Yeah. Um, as far as, you know, other stuff from Dave Ramsey, you know, I think that the way I think about it is he's doing a really good job overall. And you could maybe say, oh, there's certain things that you might want to change, but Overall, he's good. As far as credit cards and points, you know, many people really struggle with paying off those credit cards. And so if you're ever paying any interest, then you shouldn't be trying to do any credit card strategies at all. Yeah. So that'd be the way I think about it. Right. So that's really good. I think that's super helpful. I'm a big credit card points guy. Yep. Um, I, I get free money, right. you know, it's not and even I love taxed. it. And we, you it's know, crazy. my wife's a big envelope Ramsey gal and so we, we had all those discussions early in our marriage and, um, and I, I love, you know, I usually get about one free toy a year mm. with some points. And again, know? as long as you're able to, to be responsible yeah. with that, I think that you're okay. It's kind of, it reminds me a little bit of like legalism in the Bible. It's like, okay, that's right. That's you, right. You, you, yeah. you don't need, it's, it's more about like the, yeah. the, the, the direction you're going in the heart around it than some of the specifics in a lot yeah. of cases. It, if you're if you're not managing your money well, you know, and credit cards are part of that, you need to get rid of those things. Yeah, I think you need to know it's a it's also a part of knowing yourself. Like yeah. is is this gonna be dangerous for me or yeah. can I am I a responsible enough? Credit person? cards are kinda like alcohol. Right, right, right. 
yeah, use in moderation. <laughs> yeah, that's good. A lot of things. So yeah. what would you say to the guy um, who has maybe, you know, three, $4,000 in credit card debt? By the way, let me ask you, do you know what, what is the average person? What's the average American have in credit card debt? Would I you say? I'm not, I don't know the answer. I'm not quizzing you. No, no, do you I, think I, it don't, is? I don't actually know the answer to that. I think it's, um, it's always tricky. And, and this is something that I'm trying to write a book on in general is, people will use statistics to try to kind of bend information. Their way, yeah. Right. So like, for instance, oh, yeah. the student loans, I think it's like 40,000 roughly is the average student loan. But here's, here's the thing. They're only counting people with student loans. And so I think it's 35 or 40% of people that graduate from college have no student loans and they're not part of that equation. Right. <laughs> so it's just how, yeah. like, like the credit yeah, card debt, it's like, okay, yeah. how many people are using credit cards overall? And then yeah. how many people have a balance? So it's kind of like, it's hard, it's harder to judge it because if, gotcha. if you get that actual, the number of the the balances, then it may sound really intense. Yeah. But if you have like people like people you who never have, have a balance. Right. I get then, what you're saying. Yeah. So let's just say a guy has like, let's say two to $3,000 in credit card debt and um, nothing really in a, um, in a safety net, in a savings account. Yep. Um, would you say that that guy should focus first on paying off the credit card or on building up some savings? What would be his smartest move? So a thousand dollars is Dave Ramsey's recommendation yeah. on the emergency, the the starter emergency fund. I think that's good. When I was doing it, I had a $6,000 number because I had a more variable income at that time. And, and by the way, I was that guy. So I think part of the story around money that I think is important for people to know is that 97% of millionaires did not inherit that money. And so that that's scary because wow. you've got to do it, yeah. but it also is empowering. Like you can do it. Yeah. And so th the amount of money that it takes to become a millionaire, if you're young is like, it's, it's maybe 30 or 40 bucks a month. It's not that much money. So saving and investing is, is powerful over the long term. Compound interest is crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, Albert Einstein says it's the eighth wonder of the world. Yeah. He who knows it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. Mm. And so, yes, build up your emergency fund get that $3,000 or whatever it is paid off. But I would really encourage you to take Financial Peace University because he's going to help you to think about money in a way that can hopefully get, get to the deeper part of like, how did it get there? How do we stop that from happening? He's going to sell you on a better story of what else you could be doing with your money, which hopefully will incentivize you to just change some of your habits. And that's awesome. Yeah. One of yeah. his big sayings is, live like no one else. So later you can live like no one else. Mm. So like right now, if you're in debt, eat, live, you know, don't try to keep up with the Joneses at all. Eat beans and rice, live mm. like no one else. None of your friends live completely mm. poor. So later when you get it all paid off, you can live like no one else is Yeah, that's on, good. The, on the opposite, you know, pendulum. Yeah. And, and you know, if, if you're interested in making more money, you know, increase your value, increase the ability to serve other people in whatever way it is. And I think, I think it was Walter Williams, the economist from George Mason said, for the first time in human history, capitalism has allowed us to serve other people and become successful financially. And that's so right. that's the backbone of our economy. That's why capitalism is so powerful and so good. And because it's built on this service, I think that the downside of it is we can get comfortable and we can feel like we don't need God because we have all this money. Yeah. And so I think there's both things happening at once, but, you know, increase your value, take your time and listen to podcasts like this, you know, figure out ways to, to increase how you can become uh, helpful to other people in your workplace, 
you know, positive mentality, all these things really are going to help you to become successful. Yeah, that's so good. So um, what would you say? I feel like a big piece of this needs to be addressed is contentment. And there just seems to be a, a massive amount of uh, discontent. Yes. Men are always chasing more, mm-hmm. bigger, newer, shinier. Yeah. How does contentment play into this? Well, I think there's a good uh, free class from Yale that talks about this and what are the ways to become content. And it just helps to reiterate what God says, which is that contentment is great gain. You, you want to be content because, you know, not figuring out that need versus want is really critical so that you can just not be uh, overcome by the, the, the ways of the world. And I think part of it is going deeper and saying, well, why is it that I want that? You know, and trying to actually have that conversation with yourself. Part of what I would say is the talking piece. I talk to myself all the time because I know that it has the benefit of helping me to think better. And so your first step may just be talk to yourself about what's happening. What are you going to do out loud? Words have power. God used words to create the world. That's true. Right. So our words have this power. And so I would just encourage people to do that. As far as being content, I think God plays a big role in that. You know, so prayer. So so God, please help me to, to figure out what's going on inside of me and, and reveal that to me and, and help me to move forward in a positive direction. I, I think God is going to be a helpful tool in this. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that's going on right now that is a negative side that causes discontent is social media because oh, that's yeah. what it's all about is constantly everybody's posting what they want their life to look like to other people, you know? So it's like, and people buy into it when you're doing the exact same thing they are, but it's like, Oh, I want that. Yeah. Look at them. They're happy. And I'm not. And it's like, so it's just, that's what social media is all about. Just look how great my life is when it's not real. And especially (laughs) if that's happening to you, just get off there. Right. Like you need to limit it, reduce it, change it around, unfollow yeah. people that are making you feel that way. Yeah. Right. You know, I, God talks yeah. about cutting off your, you know, bulge, taking out your eye, cutting right. off your arm. Like you got to do things to keep you away from this temptation. Yeah. Uh, when I first graduated college, you know, you still have friends in college. You see some of that stuff and you're like, man, I really wish I was there having this great time. But I also remembered that those same people there weren't always having a good time. Yeah. So that helped me to remember that. And then I also just stopped, just got off there. Like this is not, I cannot be as, as good of a person consuming that type of information. Yeah. I think one of the biggest issues is it comes down to being a hard issue. Like you have to find your worth in Jesus. Correct. You know, and in nothing else, Yeah, <laughs> but Jesus. And it will change. Once you can do that, you won't care about what somebody else is doing. You won't constantly be measuring yourself against other people. It's actually a good litmus test. If someone is doing well or giving you, you know, how you feel about that is a good litmus test. So you want to be in a position where you're happy for them. Right. And if that, if you're exactly. not, then maybe that's a signal that you need to pray and think differently about this so that yeah. you're not having those, you know, thoughts. Right. Man, so, that's a great, right. that's a great point. If you can't see your neighbor's uh, vacation pictures on Facebook without right. envy. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. That's a, that's, that's a, a, that's, that's a, a hard point. Heart check yeah. yep. right there. Yep. You should be happy for them. Not trying to, yeah. Keep up with them. You know, shadow what you said. There's, there's no amount of, there's no new car. 
or bigger house or vacation or anything that's ever going to fill, fill that void, fill that void in us. Um, and if you're, if you're chasing anything other than, other than God, right. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be depressed at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. realizing you chased something that wasn't the solution. Right. And well, this has been an awesome conversation with you, Tom, uh, financial planner, uh, the main street group, and we'll definitely have you back on again to, to give us more advanced financial advice. Sure. Whatever. This was our one Oh one course. Come back for his secret tips <laughs> on how to get rich quick. <laughs> no, and no. teach you how to play the stock market. <laughs> Next right, week. After, right after, right this after this right race. Right. <laughs> oh man. Seriously, guys, you know, we can't be the husbands and fathers that God designed us to be. If, we're wildly out of whack with our money, right? And I know it's an uncomfortable topic for a lot of guys. They don't want to talk about money. They don't want to listen to this podcast. They'd just rather sweep this problem under the rug. Yeah. But man, we got to address it. And if it can bring down a marriage, if it can lead to suicide, then we better be talking about it on this podcast and around the, the fires each week and get our houses in order, right? And I love how you started off by saying, you have a goal of giving. Yep. Right. And maybe that's a good place for us to end this one is I, first of all, I've never heard anybody say that. Mm, yeah. Like they've got a dollar amount goal of here's what I want to give in one year. Yeah. I can yeah. help you with that. You can give me anything. <laughs> I will help you reach well, your goal. Here's what I'll tell you from giving more the last few years is it's actually a little harder than you think, uh, giving individually. And we didn't get into this, but you know, at leaving a legacy, if that the, the other stat that I've said before, how only 3% of millionaires are there because of inheritance, people are generally not good at receiving money. So if you're trying to raise the next generation, teaching them how to handle the money is way more important than giving them the money. And so you have this concept of teach to give versus giving fish. And you see that what's interesting to me is you see this problem for rich people and poor people, both sides. It's almost the exact same problem, which is that you kind of get dependent on this extra giving that you're getting. And so you didn't quite ask me that question, yeah. but there it's, it's really deep on how to give well. And I, and it's not that easy. So um, I think you could probably spend more time on that for sure. And yeah, I and I would talk about that. I'd like to just challenge all of our tribesmen, right. To think about how are you giving and how can you give more and how can you give strategically and thoughtfully laying up your treasure in heaven giving to kingdom causes, right. To, Mm -hmm. to ministries, to people who are, you know, um, helping orphans, helping widows, building homes, feeding the hungry prison ministries, handing out Bibles, all these different, um, things that we can, we can use our money to fuel those. Yeah. And you know, it's, God talks a lot about giving and how can you give well. And Matthew five talks about how, God wants us to be this light on a hill that our good deeds are seen and that we are boasting in God, that God is doing this. I'm able to do this because God literally saved my life, you know, spiritually saved me, all these things. And so for me, when you're giving, it's an incredible opportunity to, to witness to people because it's weird. People don't give money, you know, we worked hard for it. Mm. And so the last time that I was actually in this building, I was at this bar down here because my friend was in town and he wanted to go out Mm -hmm. and I gave the, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm buying all these drinks for all these people and it was really fun. 
And again, I would, why are you doing this? Oh, cause God is real. It's like, wait, what? Well, why, why else would I be giving money to random people? Because God told me to, that, that I need to give. That's not a message that you hear in the culture. And it is weird. And when you do it, it gives you an opportunity to talk about God. I've never yeah. thought of that, but that is a cool way to give the gospel. Yes. Yeah. You'll so, get a conversation going with somebody if you buy them a drink. And, and a lot of times <laughs> yeah. they have some cool stories and they're, they're yeah. either believers or they're working on it. And a bar is a perfect place because you feel like you're really, you could be ministering. And so the bartender, you know, she gave me the tab and it's like a dive bar. So there's just, it's super cheap. And I was like, this can't be the right tab. And so I gave her a hundred dollar tip. And she, you know, I, I put God bless you on there. And when I gave it to her, I said, God bless you. And she looked at me kind of strange. And I said, no, really, God, God bless you. And she just started crying, you know, so you, you can make this incredible impact. And so part of what I would encourage men to do is just, you know, think of outside the box, relatively small amounts of money can really make an impact on people. And I started doing that in part because of the mental health. There was, uh, you know, a study came out that, sh that showed 22% of essential workers were seriously considering suicide. That's a lot. You know, young people, about 25% during the pandemic. Right. And so how can I show someone that I care about them without ever knowing them very quickly? Give them money. That's a way of showing because we all know that it takes energy and work to get money. So if I'm giving that to you, like, oh, wow, like, why are you doing that? It, it just is very strange. So yeah. we just took out cash and started giving it to all these people randomly. And yeah. the reason I tell you that, because this kind of goes against Matthew six, right? Matthew five is like, Hey, be on, on a hill and, and show your good deeds to the world and inspire other people and, and glorify God. Matthew six says, give in private. Don't tell anybody right. that you're doing it. Right. So, right, right. so for me, it's doing both. I'm not telling you all the things mm -hmm. there's some sort up in heaven. That's great. You want to have both happening. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. Cause I'm, I, I'm, I'm more so. I don't want to, if I'm given money, I want to be anonymous, you know? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and it feel, or if I don't want to be anonymous, it feels like I want glory. glory yeah. It feels very uncomfortable you know? to yeah. get like, Oh, like, he's not anonymous. He wants me to know that he gave me all this. Like, look yeah. at him. He's trying to be flashy and like yeah. show out. So yeah, I don't know. I guess that's, yeah. I guess no, it's important to thing. see where your heart yeah, is. On, right. You know, if, if right. and, and just knowing that God wants you to do, inspire other people. And, and I think the key is, are you glorifying yourself by giving publicly or are you glorifying God? Right. And so that's the litmus test. Yeah. That, and yeah. that's when it doesn't matter what other people think. It, I think it, it's, it's a good it's idea to you. do both. Yeah. That's good. Yep. You know, that way you get the mix. Right. Well, man, this has been fantastic. Men, get your money under control, get out Let's of go. debt, save up for, you know, uh, not only emergencies and have that safety net, but but save up so you can give, yep. yeah. right? So that you can um, you can s direct your heart, right? Yeah. You can you you get a chance to actually steer your heart in the direction you want it to go uh, by giving. Yeah, where your heart is, your money will follow. There you go. You can show money that it's not boss you that God is boss. That's yeah. right. And if you're looking for a good nonprofit, you can give to us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tip of the Spirit Ministries, Men's Alliance. We would love your support. Um, but there's, there, there's other great organizations as well. Right. Um, but we're, we're excited about starting this, um, money management for Christian men topic here on our podcast. And we'll do more of this. It's such an important topic. Um, Tom, thanks again for being on our show. You're welcome. And men, I look forward to seeing you around the fire. Men, this is Connor Dillingham, call sign chief. 
Here at Men's Alliance, we love your charitable donations. Those donations allow us to reach more men to become the leaders that God has called us to be. But do you know there's another way that you can support us and look awesome in the process? Have you checked out our online merch store? There's so much to choose from, and personally, I can never have enough cool MA gear. Here's all you got to do. Go to mensalliancetribe.com, click on store in the upper right-hand corner of the screen. On that screen is our Finish Strong line of shirts and sweatshirts. Also, be sure to check out the Barbarian Ambassador shirt. These are must-have items. Also on this screen is a link to our Tribe Coffee and Tribe Coffee t-shirt. I'm a huge coffee guy, and to be honest, I can't determine whether I like the coffee better or the Tribe Coffee shirt. Even coffee snobs love this stuff. Also, at the top of the screen is a link that will take you to our classic collection. You're, you're going to find some pure gold on that link. You'll find the MA Coffee mug as well. Pick out your items, pick out your size, and we have a ton of great colors to choose from. Put this stuff in the shopping cart, pay with your credit card, and bam, you're done. Our shipping department will get you your gear in a hurry. One warning though, once you start, it's hard to stop. I may have heard from my wife, another Men's Alliance shirt. Yes, dear, that's correct. As always, we appreciate your support, but when you get your Men's Alliance gear, you'll be the one that felt like you got the gift. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Men's Alliance podcast. Find your tribe at mensalliancetribe.com, or maybe you're the man to start one in your area. And send us your questions or comments to info at mensalliancetribe.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we look forward to seeing you around the fire soon.